0: If we haven't met before, my name is Ashley and I'm the senior pastor here. And I'm so excited to talk to you today. I've been privileged to have a couple of weeks off of speaking. My husband Jay was preaching last week. He is so awesome, come on. And our pastor and mentor, Richie, uh, was preaching the week before and I just got to work on some administrative, some running the organization stuff. So I'm so excited about that, but I can't wait to bring this word to you today. You guys ready? All right. So when I watch movies, I'm a talker. I process movies out loud. Anybody else kind of do that? It's really annoying to my husband Um, But I just think thoughts, and I'm like, maybe someone else is thinking that thought, or has that question, or is thinking ahead in the plot line, like I like to guess what's going to happen. And uh, my son, our son Ryder, he's five, he has also learned uh, this skill. And so we were at the Little Mermaid at the movie theater a couple weeks ago, and we're watching the movie, and he's really into it. And there's a point in the movie where he's like, I just have to know, does he kiss the girl? (laughs) And it's so loud, like as loud as we are right now in this room, he's like, I need to know, does he kiss the girl, mom? I'm like, I don't wanna tell you that'll spoil the ending. But then I felt bad for him because I am like him and I like to know the end of the movie, then I can just relax and watch the rest of it because I know where we're going, so I'm like, Yeah, he kisses the girl. And he's like, oh, I'm so glad, okay. And we watch the rest of the movie in peace. You know, we have been conditioned to hate waiting. We hate waiting for the end of the movie. We hate waiting to... Uh, see a movie come out on video like come out on Netflix or Disney or you know whatever you're watching I remember when I was a kid we would have to drive to Blockbuster and we would rent a VHS and then we would take it home and watch it that way anybody else we had to wait we don't have to wait anymore Everything's on demand. Uh, Let's see, when I was 12, I bought my first CD. And so you can't just download music like you can today. You know, we drove to Walmart 30 minutes from our house. I saved up my money and I bought my first ever CD and it was Eminem, (laughs) the explicit version. (laughs) Where were my parents? And I was the coolest kid in eighth grade. Anyway, we had to wait for movies. Uh, when my husband and I were on our honeymoon, we didn't have cell phones. You couldn't talk to people instantly. Uh, we waited all week of our honeymoon till we got in the airport to use an airport computer to check our email, to see what was going on back home and catch up on a week's worth of emails. We don't do that anymore. You can instantly know everything because of the phone in your pocket uh, at amusement parks. I hate waiting in line. You guys hate waiting in line? Our time is valuable. You know that word wait, it might as well be a four letter swear word to us sometimes. We hate to wait, but some waiting is good. If you've ever birthed a baby, you know that waiting nine months prepares you to be really ready to say, get this baby out of me. Or if you've seen, you know, if, if you've been, a, uh, your wife has had a baby, you've had nine months to prepare mentally, to prepare the house, you know? It's like we need that nine months as humans to get ready, like to wrap our minds around a new human in our lives. Uh, there are other good things to wait for, you know? Un- until your kids are old enough, it's good to wait to teach them age-appropriate things. That's a gift to them, waiting is a gift. Um, If you're waiting to afford something until you buy it, that's a gift of financial peace that you're giving yourself. You know, uh, 76% of Americans, we actually would rather order something online because we like the wait. I know it's crazy, but we like to check the tracking. We're like, ah, it's like Christmas, something's coming in the mail. We'd rather order online than in store. We secretly kind of like waiting. You know, birthdays or Christmas or vacation, we count down the days. Those are a gift of anticipation. It's fun to wait. It's a promise that will bring a sense of fulfillment. And you know, God, He uses waiting in our lives, He does. He uses waiting to produce the fruit of patience in us. And patience, that's the ability to tolerate waiting. The ability to tolerate trouble, The ability to tolerate suffering without getting angry, without getting upset, without losing our peace. To trust God in the wait. And patience, that's just a fruit of the Holy Spirit living in us. And that's what we're talking about with this multiverse series. Galatians 5.22, let's look at it together. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. And then the other ones we're going to look at in the future. Next week we're talking about kindness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. And this multiverse series, it's all about how... There's one version of us before we meet Jesus, before we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And that's a good version, but it gets even better. Life gets even better when you trust in God, when you trust in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit transforms your life from the inside out, come on. So today we're talking about patience and we're gonna look at three different types of patience. We have patience in preparation. That's having patience for yourself. That we have patience in problems, patience in the things that we go through, and we have patience for other people, giving away the patience that God gives to us. Because God, He's patient. We're gonna look at it, 2 Peter 3, 9. If you have your Bible, you can turn there, and if you don't, we'll put it on the screen. 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everybody to come to repentance. God is patient. And His patience, it's towards people, it's towards us. He doesn't have to be patient with situations or circumstances or problems because He knows what happens. He knows the end of the movie. He knows the end of the story. He doesn't have to be patient with those things. but. He chooses to be patient with people. He chooses to be patient with us. It's the patience of a good father who looks to his kids and, you know, as as his kids were like, hey, Dad, I like doing things my way, you know. I'm gonna trust in myself and my goodness and my righteousness. He waits for us to change our mind and trust in him. That's repentance. He waits for us to say, God, would you help me would you be my father I trust you he is so patient with us and maybe you think God was impatient I'm telling you he is patient with you today and what happens is because he is patient we receive patience from him so it's not something that we manufacture in ourselves we have God our good father And we have us, me, squeaky marker. And He gives us patience, patience, and this is us, and we're filled with patience from God. Without God, it's hard to be patient, (laughs) really hard. Sometimes the person that we need the most patience with is ourselves. You cannot have patience for yourself if you don't receive patience from God. And that's point one today for taking notes. Patience in preparation. We can practice patience in preparation. You know, we're hard on ourselves. It's true, I know, you're hard on yourself. We think, oh, I should have accomplished more by now in life, you know? I should know better. I should have these relationships. I should be at this goal, weight. I should have this house and this career and those kids. I should have kicked this habit. We're hard on ourselves, but God, He is patient. He's not frustrated with you. So why are you frustrated with yourself? Why be mad at yourself? Why be disappointed in yourself? You're not trusting in yourself. You're trusting in God who is patient with you. In 2017, I was between jobs and I was pretty restless. You know, I had just come from uh, 10 years uh, leading an executive staff and I really loved that role and that season ended. And I was like, God, I don't wanna wait for my next season. I was like, God, I don't like this whole waiting patience thing. And God's like, well, I have some things that I wanna prepare you for. And I have some things that I want to do in you that I can't do when you're distracted and preoccupied. And what, I, what God taught me in that season is that my former job, which I loved, which was serving God, it had become a bit of an idol to me. It had become part of my identity. And what He needed to do was separate me from that so that He is my focus and my identity comes from Him. So yes, I am a person who has a job, but God is first in my life. And that's something that He did in a pruning season in me. He had to teach me new things about myself. He had to unteach me some things that I had learned that were incorrect. He had to teach me some things about His church and His people and loving people and serving people that He could only do in that waiting Preparation season. Come on. You know, we're interested in the destination. Like, God, can we just get there already? But He's interested in the journey. He's working on us along the way. And He does good work. We're going to look at Psalm 37. Verse 34 to 36. It says, don't be impatient. Don't be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steady along His path. He will honor you and give you the land. Don't be impatient. Travel steady on His path. He's got a path for you. Stay on it. Stay steady. Keep going. Keep following Him. He'll honor you at the right time. He'll give you the land when you're ready for it. You know, you can't microwave your maturity. You can't microwave an anointing from God. There's preparation that has to happen in you to carry the fruit in your life. Come on. Because what happens is God wants all of us to carry lots of fruit and he grows the fruit in us. But if it's too big and our branches can't handle it because they haven't been strengthened, we're going to drop it. It's going to hurt us and it's gonna hurt other people. There are sacrifices that need to happen. There are closed doors that you need to face. There's a cost to carrying the anointing. You know, we're like the prodigal son. We're like, hey dad, can I have my inheritance now? Can I have everything that was meant for later? Can I have it right now? And you remember what happens in that story, the prodigal son, he gets all of this money, he goes out and he blows it all. He wastes it and he's miserable. And he goes back to his dad. He's like, dad, man, will you accept me back? And of course the father's like, I love you, you're my son. But the point is to trust God's timing, not our timing. Don't try to make things happen in your own power before the time is right, because God will give you what you need when you need it. He won't give you that money if you can't handle it. He won't give you that spouse if you're not ready for them. He won't give you that position of influence if it will break you. If you don't have it yet, you're not ready for it yet. That's okay. One of the kindest things that God can do is not promote you, until you can handle it. Promotion from Him is not about your gifts. It's not about your degrees, your skills, the way you look, how you talk, how you act. It's about character. It's about what's on the inside. It's about what's unseen and what He's producing in you. It's about the fruit. We wanna embrace the preparation process that comes before the blessing. If God has you in a waiting season, that's really good because something's about to happen on the other side of that season. You can get excited. So we're gonna look at James 1. Got all these tabs in my Bible up here. That means I can get there quicker than you. James 1. Verse three, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I don't wanna be deficient in any way, do you? But I love to try to get out of things prematurely. And I love this reminder from James to say, no, 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 steady on the path that God has for you. Don't try to get out of it. Let Him do His work in you, you need it. You need this preparation for the next season. And if you're waiting, remember you're in good company. There's a lot of people in the Bible, they went through lots of waiting to get to where God had them. Jesus, He waited 30 years to begin His ministry. He was fully God and fully man when He was a baby. But can you imagine baby Jesus flipping tables at the temple? It doesn't work right I mean people would be like what are you saying I don't understand toddler speak it wouldn't work even Jesus had to reach a certain age even Jesus had to go through certain processes to fulfill his purpose and so do we we can embrace the wait and how how do we embrace it you know if we hate waiting it's a four-letter word how do we embrace it well Science proves that if we have something to do while we're waiting, we're naturally more patient. Go figure. So the Houston airport, they used to get tons of complaints from people who would get off a plane and then go to the baggage claim, trying to get their baggage and wait and wait and wait. And so what they did, they moved the baggage claim. They moved it further from the gate. And so people would walk and walk and walk and walk the same amount of time they used to wait and they would get their luggage and they were waiting the same length but because they were doing something, they're like, this is great, I get my luggage so fast, it's right here once I get to the luggage claim. Thank you so much. And their complaints went down to zero. It's good for us to do things in the wait. So let's talk about waiting well, how do we do that? Well, letter A today is enjoy, don't endure. Enjoy, don't endure the wait, enjoy it. You know, it takes the same amount of time to enjoy it as it does to endure it. I would say it takes the same amount of energy, but I actually think it takes more energy to endure it. You know, there's studies it takes more muscles to frown than to smile. It's actually more work to endure your waiting season So what a gift that we get to choose how we go through that season. When I was in my in-between season, I learned to enjoy the wait. There becomes a point where you're like, I'm tired of doing it my way. God, let's try it your way, I think it's better. I learned to enjoy spending time with my kids. I got to be a stay-at-home mom for a little while and see some of their formative years. What a gift. I enjoyed getting to help design our house and all the stuff we were putting in it, because at that time we just so happened to be building our house, where if I had had my previous job, I would have been pretty stressed doing all those things at the same time. I got to enjoy that season. I got to enjoy sitting at the feet of Jesus with all the time that I had. I got to enjoy the wait. And it's not just in the major things, like in the big seasons either. You can enjoy the daily delays. You can think on what is lovely and true and pure instead of the worry things, you know, like Jay talked about last week. You can choose to have peace in those waiting moments. The kids and I were at the eye doctor last week and we waited two hours. I'm so glad that at the beginning of the two hours, we chose to say, We are going to enjoy this time. We're going to redeem this time. We're gonna talk to each other. We're gonna play games. We're gonna talk to people in the waiting room if God gives us opportunity. And so by the end of the wait, we're like, oh, it's time for our appointment. Okay, enjoy, don't endure. God has given us all the time that we need to do everything that he's called us to do. All impatience does is steal our peace. Doesn't help us do life faster. You know what I'm talking about? You're waiting with someone and one of you gets really annoyed because you're waiting and then you fight because you're waiting and then you've got to talk through the fight after. It just takes so much more energy when you could just choose patience at the front end. Sometimes we're impatient because we see other people where we want to be. Point B today is celebrate, don't hate. Celebrate people in their season. Come on, Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Celebrate with people who win. It frees your heart. Celebrate when they get the promotion that you wanted. I know it's hard to do that, but it's the heart of Jesus. If it was supposed to be your promotion anyway, God would have given it to you. You can trust him that he has what he's preparing for you. What happens when you celebrate other people is that your feelings, they follow your choices. And it's just better. In 2018, my friend was offered a job here at Hope Church as the administrative assistant, and she called me and she was telling me about it, and I was celebrating for her. And then there was a point inside of me that was like, man, when's my season, God? I'm tired of this waiting, you already know that. When's my turn? but I chose to celebrate her. And she called me back the next day and she said, I told them you should have the job. I don't think it's the job for me. And so I was at an administrative assistant, and that was, um, you know, I was way overqualified for that in the season, but I was so thankful to say, God, this is where you have me in this season. I love saying yes to you. If you want me to do that for the rest of my life, I would be honored, come on you know someone else's success, it doesn't take away from what God has predetermined for you. Celebrate when they get married. Celebrate when they have the baby or buy the house or get the degree or retire or make their first million. Celebrate. Don't compare yourself. Don't lose sight of who you are, your strengths, your talents, your blessings, and celebrate them. And you can be honest with God about your fears and your feelings, all those hard things. He'll comfort you. The last part about waiting well is point C, worship and work through the waiting. Worship in the waiting. Man, there is nothing better when you don't know what to do than just worshiping God. It refocuses you, it recenters centers you on what's important. It puts Him first in your life. When you're waiting, go to church. Don't neglect meeting together. Encourage one another. There's a community here that wants to encourage you in whatever season you're in. And when you're worshiping in the waiting, read your Bible. Get yourself a Bible that you like. So for me, I've had this Bible since college. Some of my friends kinda hate it because my dog ate the bottom of it, but I put some duct tape on it and you guys, you can barely tell. But there's just something about the Word of God going with you in each season and bringing the Word of God to church and writing notes in it. You can write in your Bible. I don't know if you knew, but that's allowed. You can write in your Bible. And it's so fun for me to look back and be like, oh my gosh, look what I was learning a few years ago. And for God to bring back truths and memories to mind. Man, if you don't have a Bible, get yourself a Bible that you love to carry with you, even if it has duct tape on it. And then pursue God in the waiting. Pursue Him. Run after Him. He's the one who who directs your steps. He's the one who makes your path straight. He's the one who will tell you where to go and what's next. He's the one who helps you grow. Philippians 1 and verse 6. Let's see. Where's Philippians? Here we go. I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace. I love that, he helps you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus Christ returns. God begins the work in you. You trust him, but he does the work internally. And our work is to surrender to him. Our work is to keep trusting in all of the seasons in the preparation in the waiting in the good and the hard and we allow him to work within us and then we give him something to work with too like while you're waiting on God you can learn the skills you can read the books you can take the class go to the conference make the friends pursue the healing God is doing things in you and you can do things where you surrender areas of your life to say, God, I'm gonna give you something to work with here. You can learn how to wait well when you're in the preparation season. Enjoy it, celebrate when others win, and worship and work in the waiting. So that's patience and preparation. That's the longest one these other ones are gonna fly by. Number two is patience in problems. God was the first person to demonstrate patience in problems he was the first being to demonstrate that so in the beginning he created the heavens and the earth and the Garden of Eden and he put people in it he said I love you guys I'm leasing this to you I'm giving you free will I want you to trust me but I'm not gonna make you don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you eat of it you'll die I don't want you to die I don't want you to experience evil and we didn't listen and we ate of it and that's the first problem in history and what did God do when faced with a problem what did he do well he sought after us he said Adam and Eve where are you he covered our sin and our shame he made uh, animal skin clothing to cover us because we knew we had sinned we knew we were naked we felt guilty he covered us and then there were consequences to our action. He had to send us out of the Garden of Eden so we didn't eat the tree of life and live broken like that forever. But he had the solution to the problem. And he determined from the very beginning that he would send his son, Jesus, a part of himself to be the solution to our problem. And he sent Jesus in his perfect timing, giving all of us a chance to turn to him. You know, he's patient with us. And as we receive God's patience for ourselves, what happens is it starts to overflow to our problems. And so we, we've received patience from God and it starts to overflow to our problems. And this next circle is just problems. So we have patience for where we're at and now we have patience for the things that we're facing. And it's an overflow. All of a sudden we're like, wow, why am I so patient? because we're simply receiving God's patience from him. Let's look at 1 Peter 4:12. It says, "Dear friends, don't be bewildered or surprised when you go through the fiery trials ahead. Don't be surprised, man. I don't know about you, but I've been surprised by a lot of trials. He says you don't have to be surprised. This is no strange, unusual thing that's going to happen to you. Instead, be really glad. We'll skip to verse 19. Keep on doing what is right and trust yourself to the God who made you, for he'll never fail you. So, you know, Jesus, he said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome it. You will have trouble. It's not heaven, but I'm with you. In the trouble, And so you don't have to be bewildered or surprised when bad things happen because it's part of the fall and the curse and we're here on the earth. Don't be surprised. When you're surprised, it knocks you off your feet. When you're surprised, it gets you off course. When you're surprised, you don't handle things as well as you do when you're not surprised. Remember, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Keep doing what you need to do and trust God, like that first verse in Psalms. Stay on the path, stay steady. Don't let it knock you off. In my in-between season, I was pregnant with Ryder at the time and I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And I remember thinking, wow, I really like one of the perks of pregnancy is that you can eat all the time. I love chocolate. I love ice cream. Uh, I love bread and pasta. And when you have gestational diabetes, you can't eat those things. And I remember thinking in that season like, wow, I lost my job. I don't have my health. God, this is hard. This is a hard season. And there were days where my husband had to inject me with insulin because you know, we couldn't keep on top of it. I would just eat salads and still my sugars would go crazy. And that was a problem. But I knew that in the problem, God was doing something. I knew that in the problem, I had patience from Him to endure it. I knew that on the other side of the problem, something good was coming. You know, when problems come out of nowhere, God's about to promote you. When it feels like the enemy is attacking, he probably is cuz he can see in the supernatural what's in front of you and he's afraid of your future. When you have a problem, like 1st Peter 4:19 says, keep doing what is right and trusting in God. He will never fail you. He'll never fail you in your problems. Come on. He's always with us. Next up we got Romans 5. verse 3 we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials for we know they are good for us they help us learn to be patient and patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust god more each time we use it we trust god more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady then when that happens we're able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know all is well for we know how dearly God loves us and we feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love because of Jesus we already have everything we need and we know that intellectually we can read it but what happens in problems and trials is that we start to experience it and we know it experientially. So that when we go through a problem the next time, we're like, I know my God won't fail. He didn't fail last time. I know He's gonna come through on this. He he never lets me down. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. I know He's working this together for my good and for His glory. Come on. The hard times of life show you experientially that you don't lack anything in him. It might feel like you're missing something, but you're not missing anything in him. You know without a doubt that he loves you when you go through hard times. Your spirit, it knows, it's not just head knowledge anymore, it's heart knowledge. That's the patience that he gives you in problems. And how we respond to our circumstances and our problems, that's important. The most important thing to have patience for though, It's other people because people and God's word, they last for eternity. And and so the final area of patience is patience for people. I gotta get new markers, but basically the patience from God comes to you. He gives you patience for yourself. Then you have patience for your problems. And soon there's so much patience, it just starts spilling out to other people, to this other sphere. It's the patience of God who in his mercy had patience for us. This is giving patience to our kids. Sometimes my kids will get into an argument and I could escalate with them or I could have patience with them, ask them about their feelings, validate their feelings, teach them how to talk to each other, how to resolve conflict. You know, I could get upset in those moments, I could lose my peace, I could lose my patience. But I think about how patient God is to me. And you know, sometimes my husband and I, if we have an argument, our father is so patient with us. He's not getting mad at us. He's helping us work through it. And that's the kind of parent that I can be to my kids because of his patience that I have to give away. You can give patience to your parents or to your in-laws, having compassion for them. You can have patience instead of judgment for that friend who keeps falling into the same pattern, because God was patient with you. You have patience for your spouse. You have patience for people who aren't the nicest to you, people who lie about you, people who when you're down, they make stuff up about you, and you're like, come on, I'm already down, you gotta kick me when I'm down too? It's uncalled for. You can have patience for those people. In our in-between season, People were saying things that weren't true because that's what people do. You know, we try to make things happen in our mind and we think we know better than other people. But in that season, God said, I'll fight for you. You need only to be silent. It's Exodus 14, 14. He'll speak to you what you need in your season. Patience with people, it's showing them the same mercy that God showed you. When you choose to overlook something that was hurtful, or unkind when you could fight back. Yes, there are consequences to people who treat you like that. You should have boundaries and not spend time with them. There are consequences in the Garden of Eden too. But you can give away patience. And if you need more patience, ask God. He generously gives patience to all who ask. Let's see, 1 Thessalonians verse 5, chapter 5, and verse 14 says, be patient with everyone. That's everyone. That's all people. People you love, people you don't. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and everyone else. The opposite of patience for people, it's judgment. Paying back wrong for wrong. God is patient with us when he could have chosen judgment. Whenever we judge someone, Jesus is like, hey, I know you're looking at the speck in their eye, but you have a plank in yours. He's saying, you know, yeah, they did something, but maybe you've thought it. And in Jesus' economy, thinking it is the same as doing it because he's trying to show us everyone has sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if we miss the law in just one point, if we, if we aren't righteous in just one point, he says we're guilty of breaking the whole law. He's saying, people, you're equal before me. I love you. I have grace and mercy to give away to you. And I want you to give that to other people. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs eighteen seventeen. It says there are two sides to every story. The first one to speak, it sounds true until you hear the other side and they set the record straight. Maybe you're like, I I know all the details. They told me all the things. I can definitely judge them. You can never have all the facts that God has. You can't read minds. You can't judge motives. And neither can I. God's the only one qualified to judge. And because of Jesus, he chooses not to judge us. Jesus said, those who are forgiven much, we can love much. Those are forgiven little, they love a little. And we all have been forgiven much. If you've been forgiven by Jesus, you have much fruit to give away.